grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? I hope you're doing okay, because I'm doing okay. We've got a great show for you tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of sunny, well, not right now, but Sacramento, California. Hang on one second. I just did something to my view. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. I'm just changing my view here. There we go. Hit the wrong button. Didn't know it would do that. Learn something new every day. Anyway, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California. And uh, that means what that, you know, what that means is that we can get to you. And uh, if you have a paranormal problem, we might be maybe one, two, three hours away, but we will find a way to get to you. Anyway, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, and uh, a lot of people do watch from Facebook, be sure if you, if you, if you like what you, listen, what, what you hear tonight, be sure to click on that like button and the follow button because I'm always looking for followers. And you can also um, run over to <laughs> run over again, like totally thrown off tonight. Run over to Instagram and check and check us out on Instagram, uh, but it's under Ghosty Gal on Instagram. That's all lowercase. And you can also uh, find us again on YouTube, and you can hit that subscribe button. That little subscribe button is a little ghost down in the bottom right hand corner. And we have more than 450 videos over there for you to peruse and uh, different topics anyway my guest tonight sylvia schultz has been with us before and uh, we had a great time talking to her the last time and this i wanted to bring her back because she's written a christmas book about dark christmas stories and so we're going to be reading that over the holidays but before we get to that book i want to talk to her about what she's been up to because she's been doing she does quite a bit so let's bring her in without before anything else goes wrong tonight I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> Suddenly it's like, well, you're not broadcasting on Facebook. I don't know what the hell's going on. So, you know, I don't know. So well, hopefully here we are. Yes, we're finally here. Hopefully it's there. Guys, are we broadcasting okay on on Facebook? I mean, on YouTube. I think, yeah, I think we're broadcasting on YouTube. I don't understand. It said it deleted on Facebook. No reason. Whatever. It's the ghosties. Probably. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good now. Now that I know I'm broadcasting. Besides <laughs> the gremlins, yeah. The gremlins. Um, gosh. We are having absolutely gorgeous weather here in central Illinois. It's it's the beginning of November and it's it was like seventy two degrees today. It was amazing. So That's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, thanks, Dad. Dad, California. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do without you guys? <laughs> yeah. Okay. One never knows. I'm jealous. You know, it's it turned. California, Sacramento is a weird place because last week we were in the 70s. Yeah. And then once Halloween hits, it's like it's like a switch goes off. Oh no! And then, That's what boom. it's usually like in Illinois. <laughs> next, next day it rained, and we're down to fifty nine. Well, I mean fifty nine to you guys is nothing, you know. But but for us, 
59, we're, you know, we got parkas on out here. So yeah, oh. we're, down, we're down to 59, you know, our nights, will, our nights will go down to, I think I've seen Sacramento, the lowest I've seen it go down to 20, 22. Oh my. But, Ooh, and, uh, you geez. and it gets too cold, but believe it or not, there's places where it gets too cold to snow. Too cold to snow. Okay. Yeah, it's too cold to snow here. So it, all we get is ice. Oh, oh no. No, no, yeah. no. That's no, it's all Yeah, it's all pure ice. <laughs> no. It's not like Illinois. I always think my, my father grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And I was laughing, my sister, I have one of those little villages, you know, so I have to do some repaints on it because the snow turned gray and black. And I was laughing oh. at my sister and I said, you know what dad would call that? She said, what? I said, Cleveland snow. <laughs> Snurt. Yeah. Yes. But he, yeah, he always called it Cleveland snow. And she laughed because she said, oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like Chicago snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chicago snow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's great to see you. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a hot minute, but yeah, I've I've been I've been busy. I've been putting out books and working on others, and so let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you've been doing. Tell me about the the creepy places you've been. Oh boy, so um, I oh where have I been? I went back to Malvern Manor and did some exploring there. Spent another night there and slept in Susie's room and just had a wonderful time. I actually brought a friend with me and he was not really up for spending the night in one of the rooms. He slept in the safe room. So <laughs> and that's fine. I don't blame him. He's just a baby ghost hunter. And I was a baby ghost hunter once too. But uh, yeah, we had a great time. And then we went to the Velisca Axe murder house the next morning and, and I showed him around there. And, oh, where else? Gosh, I went back to, um, I went back to Sugar Tree Grove Cemetery in Monmouth this past weekend. Mm -hmm. I just walked around and had a great time. And then I was, I, I did a presentation on the, on fractured spirits on the Peoria State Hospital at right. the War Museum. And I got there and well, I was setting up and everything. And the girls who were showing me around, the, the docent and the, the director of the museum said, oh, by the way, this museum is haunted. And I said, oh, that's perfect because the book I'm working on now is haunted zoos, museums, and amusement parks. I said, I will put your museum in my book. So they told me all sorts of fun stories. Um, one of the places that, there are, there are two places that have a lot of activity in that museum. And Monmouth is a small town. It's got a college, which is where I went to college, class of 1990. So, so that's why I was familiar with the town. But the museum is a new thing. I mean, that was started after I left. So I this is my first visit to it. And they have a display of agriculture equipment like oh um haying machines and threshing machines and little things that you put um uh cobs of corn in to take the strip the corn off and then grind it into cornmeal um and horse saddles and horse halters and stuff like that so that is one of the t the places where they hear a lot of 
footsteps, um, Mm -hmm. random voices and whatnot. And then the other, one of the other exhibits they have is an exhibit on women's fashion through the ages from 1860 all the way up to the 1990s. So that is also a very active place. And the girls told me that they hear a couple of women talking and chattering away to each other. Nice. And there was, <laughs> there was one story they told me where, where something fell over and the women seemed to be blaming each other <laughs> for knocking something over. <laughs> it was delightful. I did a lot of recording. I haven't listened to the recordings yet. I don't know if I captured anything. I didn't hear anything mm-hmm. with with my naked ear we we heard some some scratches in the agricultural room but we kind of debunked that we think it was a a tree on the other side of the wall kind of moving in the breeze so i think we debunked that but um it'll be interesting to see if we captured any evps or or phantom footsteps that we didn't hear at the time it's always fun to jump into a, an investigation like that when you're not expecting it you're like oh hey here's a treat i get to investigate and i didn't even think i was going to yeah i have a question for you when, when you go into a place like that where you know that there's there's women from a certain time period do you ask your questions accordingly when you're doing evps i try to yeah uh i try to ask questions that they will be familiar with like um can you tell me what color your favorite dress was? Or you can you show me the smell of your the favorite dish that you like to cook or something something you were you were known for? Um, just things like that, just things that um, let them know that I'm not someone to be feared and someone that's genuinely interested in their daily life because I think that's when you get the best answers is when you just talk to somebody like you're talking to someone in real life. I got a delightful EVP from Malvern Manor from mm-hmm. Susie. Um, she is Susie in life was a middle-aged woman that had uh, the mental age of about a nine-year-old. And she loved to color. So that is her ghost lore is people bring coloring books, people bring crayons, colored pencils, and they sit on her mattress on the floor, which is still there, and they, they color with her. And that's that's what you do when you go into Susie's room, you, you color. And I was coloring in one of her books and I said, oh, I grabbed a a, a crayon that I thought was blue and it turned out to be purple. And I was coloring a sheep. And I said, oh, that's not blue, that's purple. Oh, that's okay. We can, we can make a purple sheep, can't we? And I caught Susie saying, yeah, after that. Wow. So, yeah, that was, that was great. Anytime you could make that connection is just wonderful. That's awesome. I remember I did a um, restaurant up in the, uh, up in the gold country up here. And it was a woman, in, you know, that haunt, supposedly haunts it from the 18, 1800s. And cool. I sat down and had tea with her. Ah, oh, lovely. Finger extended, you know, that whole thing, that whole gig, you know, and I was talking to her and 
we, yeah. we got a couple of yeses out of her, you know, when we were interviewing her. And uh, yeah, we had Actually, a deal with her. <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah, I, I highly recommend that is if you can immerse yourself in what would have been their daily life, you're liable to get much better answers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you keep yourself really busy, huh? I do. Yeah. Working on another book uh, called Gone on Vacation. So yeah, this is, this is the kind of book that I would have loved to read when I was 12 years old. As a matter of fact, it's going to be dedicated to 12 year old me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I, I grew up in the Chicago area and I had my sister and I had cousins up in Madison, Wisconsin, which is like two hours away. So mm -hmm. they come down for a visit at my grandparents' house a couple times a year, once in the summer, once at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the thing that we would do. The four of us cousins that were close in age, um, it was me and my sister and then my cousins, Carl and Hillary. And that was the, that was the thing we did whenever, when we spent the night at grandma's house with our cousins is first we would have Carl tell all the dirty jokes that he had come up with <laughs> that, 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 since we'd seen them last. And then after we'd had our yucks doing that, we would start telling ghost stories. We would share ghost stories with each other. And that is what I remember best about spending time with my sister and my cousins is sharing all those wonderful ghost stories and that's the kind of book that I wanted to write with this gone on vacation and it just it's been bringing back that feeling of being a kid on vacation and going out and, and finding all these stories it's just a trip down memory lane almost for me and i get to share ghost stories it's great that's awesome that's really awesome yeah well, you, I mean, you keep busy i you know i i envy you because you're, you're just so busy yeah yeah i love what i do and i love going out and having more experiences and finding more stories i'm very very excited because in june i am teaming up with dale kasmerick who is a a ghost hunter from the Chicago area who's been doing it since 78, since 1978, he's been hunting ghosts. So he's really well known. And he and I are going to England and Scotland next June. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And I cannot wait. We're going, we're going to the cage. We're going to investigate uh, the, the black monk of Pontefract that poltergeist cased up in Pontefract. Uh, we're going to the Tower of London. We're going to Greyfriars Kirkyard in Scotland. We're going all over the place. Just That's remember, gonna be they're all angry over there. Those ghosts aren't happy campers. I like the ones here. Most of them are not, yeah. <laughs> they're not happy at all. Bring some protection with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are some legends over there that, that, that'll curl your toes, boy. Oh, yeah. TSA be darned. I'm going to bring the ingredients for my protection tea for sure. There you go. <laughs> I can see you trying to explain it to TSA. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, oh, this is, uh, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring the dried herbs and whatnot and just make the tea when I get there. 
I think that's I, the I thing. always start out with, do you want it? Have you ever watched Ghost Hunters? You know, and they're like, yeah, okay, okay. Well, this is what I do. This is why I have all this weird equipment, but this is what I do. You know. That's a good idea. I'm going to remember that for next June. Is that International Ghost Hunters, remember? Ghost Hunters that's, International. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what you have to say, because the majority of people have seen Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures. Sure. sure. If they've seen Ghost Adventures, the first thing out of your mouth is, but we're not like them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, act like that, okay? It's right. Like, <laughs> you know? Man. <laughs> it's nice yeah. talking. We haven't talked in a long time. And the last time we talked, you know, we would talk about Peoria and, uh, you know, the hospital. And um, I have just, just asked that. Have, uh, has there been any new activity over there? Uh, there has been. Um, they have, they're no longer, the, the group that I work with is no longer in the Pollock Hospital. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that has been taken over by a different group, which is just causing all sorts of trouble in the building. They're knocking walls down at, without permission mm -hmm. and awful stuff. But the group that I'm working with opened up a new museum in July and mm -hmm. they did a phenomenal job with it they've got all the artifacts that they had at the firehouse but they have a different building which is more central to the other buildings on the hilltop there's kind of a there there's a complex which was um the gymnasium was there the library was there it was kind of the entertainment complex for the asylum and the Things are still standing and they have they have the gymnasium for their own now and they've been having activity in there footsteps voices all sorts of stuff and uh yeah they've been they've been doing a lot outside too where the coal mines used to be so oh. they've been getting some really good activity outside and not just concentrating on the building it's expanding they're when they have public ghost hunts when they when they open it up to ghost hunters they now have them congregate outside as well and explore the old coal mines too do you think a lot of that activity is due to the fact that they're um making changes in the building oh i have no doubt about that i think that the patients and the nurses that are still there are very interested in it. Um, Dr. Zeller is still there. I talked to somebody just a couple of weeks ago that said that, now this this didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. I just heard this right, a couple right, of weeks right. ago. Of course. Of course. Um, but this was when the museum was still in the firehouse. And this, this uh, teenager was one of the haunt volunteers. And after the haunt one night, they went back into the firehouse just to decompress from the haunt activity. And he said he's sensitive. And he said he saw Dr. Zeller sitting in his chair, which they have Dr. Zeller's chair. So Dr. Zeller was just kind of copping a squat in his chair and just hanging out, just keeping an eye on the place. So I'm very happy about that. That's really cool, though. I mean, that, that that I mean that place like that that gets that much activity, that is really cool. Oh yeah, I go there. They share stories with me, which is just wonderful. Absolutely. 
So I, how do you get yeah, into these places? I mean, I'm going to ask you this because I mean, you do so many and and you get into these things right about. See, that's what I want to do. I want to do what you're doing. I want to like do a chronicle of like the gold country here, you know, all the places that I've investigated with my team and put it in, you know, put it in books. And that's why I'm keeping an eye on your career. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, I just, they talk a lot about paranormal unity and that's what I truly, really try to do. I try to keep on everybody's good side. (laughs) And I think I've, there are some, people in the field that I I haven't been able to make friends with, but that's, that's nothing to do with me. That's the fact that they have a rivalry with another group. So sure. um, well, I just, if I hear of a group that I'm palling along with and they invite me on an investigation, I'll happily tag along and I say, thank you for letting me tag along. And that's how I get to visit all these places is I just, I make myself agreeable to all these different groups. And I am very fortunate to get to hang around with all these different groups and get invited to investigate places. That's cool. And then Dale said, going to, to, to England and he said, yeah, I'm going to take a group of, of two or three people to England. And, and I said, Oh, oh, Dale, <laughs> I would dearly love to be one of those two or three people. And he said, you want to go? I'm like, yeah, I want to go. I, I've been to England twice so far, and it was both in, times in college. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I wasn't a ghost hunter yet. So that wasn't my focus. Mm-hmm. My focus was on, was on um, taking classes and whatnot. So to go there, to go ghost hunting on purpose to all of these places that I've read about or visited and not realized they could be investigated properly is just going to be such a treat. I am really looking forward to these places that have a lot of documented activity. Uh It's just going to be astounding. Most of those castles and everything are off the charts over there. I mean, I, I would love to go over there and ghost hunt. Oh, yeah. I've been reading books about the cage. I've been reading books about the, the Black Monk of Pontefract. Oh, God, yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> I am just just salivating to get over there. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm envious now. I'm going to be thinking about you when you're over there. I'm just going to be like, what's she doing right now? What's she doing? She Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll I'll come on and I'll chat about it. You oh, bet. Yeah, you're gonna have to come definitely come back after that trip and, t- and talk to me about that stuff over there. Yeah, like I said, they're not happy ghosts. They're either sad or they're very angry over there. So you know. a lot of them are very angry and they are not shy about showing it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah. going along that term now, ghost hunting has changed a little bit over the years. I mean, I remember. Back 20 years ago, when you would go out and ghost hunt, like, you know, we used to do resident, a lot of residentials and stuff. But, you know, when you went uh-huh. out, it was always Uncle Bob. But I think yeah. TV has kind of changed that into giving it more of a darker hue for people, where people aren't seeing the Uncle Bobs of the world. They're starting to see the darker stuff. Is, is that what you're um, experiencing? Or have you experienced absolutely. that? You are absolutely correct in saying that. 
And yeah, I I blame shows like Ghost Adventures that um, they, well, when you're doing something on your own, you can investigate at your own pace. Mm-hmm. You can investigate and ask the questions you want to ask. And when you're doing it, even when you've got, say, a YouTube channel, like I've got my podcast, I've got Lights Out, and you've got your show. And there, there are all sorts of ghost hunting shows, like um, The Paranormal Files and, um, oh, Amy's Crypt and stuff like that. Right. And they, they can afford to take their time and ask questions and really really experience whatever there is and you know, if nothing happens they say well we didn't get a lot of activity this time and go start mi- microwave popcorn right. if you if there's just a, a a slow evening that's that's what that's what it is i mean i've been to Velisca and i haven't gotten any evidence at all and th- these things just happen sometimes you you know that and i know that but if you have a tv show with commercials and sponsors they want a little more bang for their buck i think and i yeah. think that leads people to i i think that leads investigators to become showmen mm-hmm. and leads investigators to become actors and celebrities and personalities and that's all well and good but let's not lose sight of the fact that we're trying to communicate with people and we're not trying to just sensationalize the fact that we're talking to dead people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think the the focus on darkness and oh it's a demon that's that's just not right and it gives right. people who might have just a passing interest in the paranormal the wrong idea mm-hmm. it'll it'll turn them away from the paranormal and it will give them the idea that oh everything's dark everything's demonic right. and exactly. it's not so it is- yeah i think that's it's very sad it's when very hard, like even with the residentials, to explain to people because, you know, I get calls all the time where they swear up and down it's a demon, and it's like, well, we just can't come out and do a cleansing because we don't know what we're dealing with, and that's the idea of the investigation is we got to come out and figure out what we're dealing with. It may not be a demon; it may be something angry. We don't know until we get out there. Precisely. I, think, and I hate to say it, you know, God bless the TV shows and all that, but I just think that tv has just t- turned this completely around to something it should be yeah i agree completely you know and it makes our job it makes our job as investigators harder it, it really does <laughs> it really does so yeah i'm really glad that there are there are sensible folks out there that have a good youtube following and they can point to their shows and say, look, you know what? It's not all demonic. It's not all bad. It's not all malevolent. Right. There's right. really wonderful spirits out there that we can make contact with. And we can enjoy our conversations with them. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, looking at some of the places you've investigated, which one do you think has the? Do you feel has the most activity? Oh, well, you know, I gotta say Peoria State Hospital, <laughs> and I've also had really incredible experiences at Malvern Manor, of course, and I've. I haven't really experienced much my own self, but I hear so many marvelous stories coming out of Gettysburg. And I just have the biggest soft spot in the world for Gettysburg because I've been a Civil War freak and a Lincoln freak since I was in grade school. So getting to go to Gettysburg and just immerse myself in it from the history aspect that I've adored since I was a kid. And then for the, the paranormal aspect that I've adored since I was a kid, I every chance I get to go to Gettysburg, I take it because it's such an amazing place for that, that intersection of mm -hmm. history and paranormal. And that's what I'm really looking forward to in England too, is, is walking around places that are centuries old and uh, and getting to immerse myself in the history once again and and now with added spookiness <laughs> absolutely absolutely so when you yeah. cause you're going to write a book about some of these places too so when you investigate do, do you do your research before you go out or do you do your research after you've done the investigation I'm one of those people that like to know what I'm heading into. I always, always, always do my research before I go somewhere mm -hmm. uh, because I like to know what might happen. And if it doesn't, you know what? Somebody else has had that experience, and that's great. As long as they tell me about it, <laughs> that's that's wonderful. I, I can... They can have that experience, and that's great. I don't begrudge them that. If I have my own experience, that's awesome too. Um, so yeah, I'm. I, I know that there are specific, especially psychic mediums that. Oh, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to be um, prejudiced, or I don't want to have preconceptions when I go to a place. But man, I'm like, oh, give me all the information I can get. <laughs> You'd be a good team leader. I mean, as far as, you know, having a team, because I mean, when, when we go out and do a prelim, that's what we go out for is two of us will go out and get all that information from people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you, but no, no, okay. I feel that if, if I was leading a team, since we're on the subject, if I'm leading a team and I was lucky enough to have a psychic medium on my team, I would respect their wishes to not know anything and not be, um, not be, um, not be led right. by whatever stories they hear. That's totally fine. And I can understand that completely, but I would like to, I would like to find something about the history of the place, because as I've said before, I really, really think that you can't, understand the ghost lore of a place without knowing the history behind it right. because that's exactly. why we have the stories and i think it's it's intensely important 
to know that history going in because that knowing the history can influence the questions you ask and you can tailor those questions to the history that you know about and you can say share some of this with me share your feelings on thus and so what happened mm-hmm. and i think that would result in a much better investigation you'd be more comfortable the spirits would be more comfortable giving you answers to it mm-hmm. yeah i think it's intensely important to find the history and let the history guide your questions and guide your investigation absolutely i can give you a hint though if you are a leader a team leader like that and you want to get a little bit of what's going on what you do is you get a you, you get a medium that can that i can do remote reading that's what makes it fun and when uh, i do a medium with Nancy mats i will just take a picture of the front of the house with no address and she has no idea what the location of the house is then I okay uh-huh. She'll do a remote read on it. Oh, fun. And it's fun because then the psychic that goes out on investigation night, you can compare notes without letting the psychic you know, know that you have notes and see if they hit on the same stuff. Oh, that would be that would be really great. Yeah, that would be very validation mm-hmm. for the mediums. Oh, boy, they, that's super. That's one of my trade secrets. So there. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Today, I don't, I don't let secrets out very often, but yeah. Hey. That's Dad. twenty years of experience, boy. <laughs> Marvelous. Um, when you talk about Melvin Manor, maybe people don't know the history. Can you tell everybody about Melvin Manor a little bit? Oh, I would be delighted to. Okay, so Melvin Manor is in Malvern, Iowa. And it has only become known as Malvern Manor in the last couple of years because of where it's located. It started off life as the Cottage Hotel in the 1880s. Um, and it was, it, Malvern is on the railway system. And that's going to be important in just a couple minutes. Um, so it was a very high-end hotel. And the fellow who ran it was known as the captain. And he is still there. There's, he, he, he haunts the place along with several other spirits. Um, so in the 19... The, the hotel was a going concern from the 1880s to ooh, about the 1930s, I think. And then it was turned into a halfway house for indigents, for alcoholics, for people who were suffering from mental illness. And in the 1950s, it became a nursing home called Nisha something or other. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it became a nursing home in the 1950s. And served that purpose for a couple of decades and some of the spirits there from the nursing home days and some of them are from the halfway house days and it only closed in 2010 i think so it hasn't been closed all that long so all of the stuff from the nursing home 
they, they added on to the hotel to make the nursing home. So there are really two separate sections of the building. And all of the stuff is still there. The beds that the people slept in are still there. And there's one fellow named Hank who his his clothes are still hanging in his closet. And he really, really, really does not like women touching his clothes. So that's the things we do to get a reaction out of him is we go into Hank's room and the female investigators go into the closet and they take his shirts out and they put them on. And let me tell you, those shirts have not been laundered since then. And they are ripe. <laughs> it's, it's a commitment to put on one of Hank's shirts because it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then there's Susie who, who likes the color. There's uh, the captain who still still hangs around. The captain liked a good cigar. So that's what we did when we, my friend and I went last time. Um, I brought candy for Susie and my friend brought a cigar for the captain and left it there for him. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful place. There is, um, in the nursing home side, there is a shadow figure that will come out of a locked room and rush down the hallway at investigators. This has happened every time of the day. It, it doesn't matter what time of the day of, or night it is. It's unpredictable. It has happened hundreds of times. And it has sent investigators out of the building. <laughs> They have just seen this thing because it covers it covers a distance of 60 feet or so in just a split second. It will rush you. I've never had it happen, but the caretaker of the building, Josh, has had it happen several times. And he is, he, he's the caretaker. He's had this happen to him. And every once in a while, he's just like, okay, time for Josh to sit, take a smoke break <laughs> because it's just so unsettling. And again, this is the history of the place that is informing the hauntings because he, Josh talked to a nurse that used to work at the nursing home and she said there was a patient there who was nonverbal, who was very tall, very, very aggressive and he would rush at people when nurses came to take him to meals or help him get dressed. He would rush at them. And that is what he still does. So we're not exactly sure if this is an intelligent haunting or if it's just a residu residual. Uh -huh. because that's what the guy did in real life. Um, yeah. And then next to his room. There is a room where, which we fondly call the Dizzy Room. And that, I don't know what sort of energy is in there. This is something I don't have an explanation for. But as an investigator, it is just, it's, it's, like, it's like going on a tilt-a-whirl or a roller coaster at an amusement park because it is just sheer fun. 
I have experienced the dizzy room a couple of times and uh, yeah, you go in there and I, I, I went in there the time before last and stood there and said, okay, what have you got for me? And immediately I felt this electric jolt that just went through my entire body and just sizzled down my arms and spun in my fingertips. And I tilted forward with the force of this shock. And there was an investigator outside the room in the hallway. And she said, I swear you were going to face plant. I was about to rush in there and catch you because you were, you were just about to go over. And I, I righted myself. I didn't face plant. And I, I, I stood there and realized I looked down at my recorder and it had stopped 11 seconds in. I don't know. The, the surge of energies just forked it. But I didn't capture any of it on my recorder. And I was so upset. I, I turned the recorder on. And I was like, do it again. Do it again. And it didn't happen again. But uh, the the energy in that room is just so. I find it welcoming and soothing. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are just kind of weirded out by it. But I. I accept it and I kind of roll with it. And I think the energy, whatever it is, realizes that because the, the last time I went in, I was with my friend and he was kind of feeling a little uh, tummy whoopsie uh -huh. because of the weird energy in the building. So he, I said, you know what? I'm not going to, this was his first investigation. So I'm like, I'm not going to let you go into the, into the dizzy room. I'm not going to make you go into the dizzy room. You can stand at the doorway and you can watch me and that will be enough for you. And he's like, okay, I'm fine with that. So I went in and he stood at the doorway and I made sure my recorder was going. And um, so have you, are you familiar with the technique, the investigating technique called the human pendulum? Yes. Okay, so I stood in there and I, I said, show me what you have for me tonight. And I started rocking back and forth like the human pendulum. And it, it felt exactly like that. For, for those of you who are listening or watching right now and who are not familiar with this, the human pendulum is a technique that investigators use when... They want to ask yes or no questions, and they don't have equipment with them. They just have themselves. Um, so you say, um, show me my yes, and you ask a question that you know the answer to is yes. I'll say, I have long hair that is currently colored purple, and I will tilt forward. I'm, I, I'm not in control of this. My body will just tilt forward. And then I will say, show me my no, and I will say something like, I like mushrooms and anchovies on my pizza and I will feel myself tilting backwards. So if you are in a situation where you want to do a little impromptu investigation, you can use this because your investigative tool is your own body. You say, show me my yes, show me my no. So, and, and you can, you, you don't have control over it. It's not like you are 
forcing yourself to tilt forward. You okay. just tilt in response to this question. And that's what the dizzy room was doing to me that last time I went. I, it was just back and forth, back and forth for like 10 minutes. And I, and it gradually slowed. It, at first it was so powerful. I almost had to take a step forward to prevent myself face planting. And after, after about 10 minutes, it slowed and stopped. And I turned my head and looked at Callan and said, and we're done. And he said, you know what? Watching you enjoy that was just wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love the Dizzy Room. I love Malvern Manor. It's, it's an astounding place. Absolutely. You remind me that place, you know, that's not uh, that whole Dizzy Room thing. I've experienced that. Uh-huh. Cool. Washu Club in Virginia City. Uh-huh. Taking us on a tour during the day, you know, because they don't want you falling down stuff. And so my <laughs> team, there were about maybe eight of us, nine of us going into this room, and I felt the floor move. Oh, nice. And I thought, is it an earthquake? What am I feeling? And I turned to the guy behind me and I said, do you feel that? The floor is rotating. Uh -huh. And he said, yeah, I feel it. What the hell is that? And about three other people in front of me felt it too. Awesome. What, you know, what, what odd feeling, odd feeling. And of course, we're all dizzy after a while because the floor is moving. You know, when you think the floor is moving. But that was that's, the weirdest feeling I've ever experienced. Yeah, that that's what, that's what happened that's what else happened in my first experience in the dizzy room is yeah, I felt the floor moving and it was almost exactly like standing on, standing on a train, standing up and feeling a train move underneath you. Yeah. 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 But you weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Oh, and that reminded me that I said something about uh, Malvern being on the train and how important that was and being on the train tracks going right through the city. Um, it's not a city, it's a small town. But here is why this is important. Villisca is also on those same tracks, as is Monmouth. And there was an axe murder in Monmouth around that time, around 1910. And, of course, the Villisca murders happened June 10th, 1910. And I, I've... Every time I go to Malvern, I go to Villisca. And every time I go to Villisca, I go to Malvern because they're only about 40 minutes apart. So it's really a good thing to, to combine those trips. And I've spoken with the caretakers of both places. And spirits from Malvern will show up in EVPs at Villisca. The captain will show up in Villisca. And people from Villisca will show up in EVPs at Malvern. And both caretakers, they're friends, uh -huh. and caretakers have this theory that whoever committed the murders in Villisca may have stopped in Malvern because there was a hotel right there. Uh -huh. And he might have stayed at the cottage hotel. Uh -huh. I mean, Josh said, I would just love to find... A, a ledger from the hotel from 1910 and just go down the list of names and say, I wonder. So a connection. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. 
There's yeah. got to be some kind of connection or they wouldn't be there. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's it's a, an avowed fact that the spirits from both places show up at, at different places, at spirits from Malvern appear at Villisca and vice versa. Um, I actually wrote about that. Uh, the, the book that has just come out is Grave Deeds and Dead Plots, which is true crime stories that have resulted in hauntings. Oh, cool. And that was one of the, thank you, uh, that was one of the stories that I wrote about was Villisca and put my own experiences in there. And I noted that there is a connection between Villisca and Malvern Manor. So I hope people are interested in that. I have heard about stuff like that. When we did um, the Hotel Jeffrey up in, uh, up by, uh, up by uh, not Yellowstone, up by Yosemite. And they told us there's a hotel, ironically named the Hotel Charlotte across the street. Mm-hmm. And there's one particular miner that stayed in this Hotel Jeffrey while he was in love with Charlotte. So uh-huh. he would go across the street at night to visit her. Ah. And so they, they, they've had, I guess they've seen apparitions of them together and gotten EVPs of them together. That is fantastic. So they do move back and forth. So, you know, like we're t- you're talking about your this thing with Velisca. Yeah, it's there. I mean, obviously. Right on. Oh, that's so sweet. You know? That, I, love, I love it when when ghosts get up to hanky-panky in the afterlife. Not only that. It shows that there's romance in the afterlife, and that's that's just... love does go on, right? Even yeah. after death, even it's... after death. Yeah. Um, when you talk about hauntings with murders like that, you know, um, you know, with tragic situations, during during your research, what what did you find? Oh man, <laughs> I found so many stories that this is actually the first in a volume or the first volume in a set of at least five books cool. i finding these stories that are true crime stories that have ended up with ghost stories attached to them and it's it's tragic and fascinating at the same time one of my favorites is the story of celia rose who lived in Ohio, in Pleasant Valley, Ohio, in 1896. Now, with a name like Celia Rose, a girl living in Pleasant Valley, Ohio, you get this mental image of a girl with with long blonde curls whose greatest joy is to sit and work on her embroidery. You would be wrong. (laughs) Celia Rose was... Uh, a dumpy, ungainly farm girl. She was kind of an oops baby. She was very much younger than her older brother. Her parents were in their mid-40s when she happened along. And um, Celie wasn't what that age would consider an idiot. Mm-hmm. But she just was not very... She wasn't terribly smart but she was not very ambitious at all. She loved to read. She would um, take the papers and read them over and over again. She was intelligent enough, but she never did anything with that intelligence. And instead of helping around the house, she would wander the fields next to her, the farmhouse and just kind of 
just kind of keep to herself. She didn't have many friends. But when she was 22, she um, was doing her thing, just kind of hanging out in the fields. And the next door neighbors, the Berries, had a 17-year-old son named Guy. And Celie had the hots for Guy. And she didn't care that she was 22 and he was 17. And she she just kind of she kind of developed a, a crush on him. And he would plow the fields with his shirt off and everything. And he was he was nice to her, but he didn't really encourage this crush. But him being nice to her was tantamount to a marriage proposal in her mind. She was convinced that the two of them would run off and get married and just spend the rest of their lives living happily ever after. And she was not going to give up this idea of a crush. She hung around the Berry Farm and kind of made a nuisance of herself. And Guy's father approached Celie's father and said, look, your daughter is hanging around my son too much. She's making a pest of herself. Um, she, <laughs> Guy's younger brother, flat out told Celie, he's like, you know, Guy's got a girlfriend. She, he's not interested in you. And Celie said, well, that's okay. I'll marry you instead. And the kid's like, I'm 12. And <laughs> Celie said, that's okay. I can wait. So the kid's father is like, he goes to Celie's father and he's like, you know, you got, got to rein in your daughter here. So Celie got a talking to and she was not at all happy about being asked to give up this crush that she had on Guy. Her mind worked slowly, but it did work. And she decided that the way she could make her dreams come true is to get rid of her family so when her family sat down to the breakfast table one day they liked to have cottage cheese for breakfast so Celie took the black pepper box and filled it full of rat poison she filled it full of arsenic so that's what they sprinkled on their cottage cheese that morning um, her father and brother were dead within the week her mother did not have as much of it, so her mother was kind of almost getting better. Mm -hmm. um, Celie threw the rest of the cottage cheese out in the yard, and the chickens ate it, and the chickens all died. So um, her mother was starting to get better, and her mother said, you know what, we have to move. I mean, everyone's going to realize that uh, people were already starting to talk thinking that poisoned her entire family. And with the dead chickens, two people kind of put two and two together. And her mother even asked, she's like, Celie, did you do this? Did you put poison in our, in our black pepper? And Celie just kind of hung her head, and that was answer enough. And her mother was like, yeah, we're, we're going to have to move. I mean... You're going to get a bad reputation in the in the township because of poisoning us all. 
And Celie realized that if she moved, if she and her mother moved out of town, she wouldn't get to see Guy anymore. So the next morning, she fixed her mother a bowl of bread and milk and arsenic and killed her off. So she was picked up and indicted for three murders. And she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. She was and she was put in the insane asylum and that's where she spent the rest of her life oh. and lived into her early sixties, I believe. So she's still the, the house where she grew up still stands in Ohio and she can still be seen peering out of the windows on a moonlit night, especially around harvest times, still hoping to see a glimpse of guy with his shirt off plowing the fields. Wow. Yeah. You know what I don't get with the mother? You know, here she 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 wiped out, you know, the rest of the family and the chickens and she's just like, "Okay, we're just going to pick up and move, no problem." And trust her to to fix her food. Right. What is, yeah. up, what is up with that? What were you thinking? What you you obviously did not think this through if you're not Making sure to to fix your own food from now on. Well, what were yeah. you thinking, little darling? You poisoned everybody. Here, make me a sandwich. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure, bowl of milk, milk. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand people. I just don't get it. <laughs> I mean, why? You know, bad enough the family that after the chickens died, that should have been a real big, big red flag there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a hell of a story. I gotta, I gotta read all that down. See, you, you get the real scary stuff. Celia Rose, yeah, in 1896, and there is a brewery in town that has kind of continued that legacy. Celia Rose's story is still so powerful in that town in Ohio that um, there has been a play written about her. And when the play is performed, they usually have technical difficulties when uh, the the Seely character talks to the mother character on stage. The lights will flicker when wow. the, the when the mother says we have to move. The lights will flicker, uh, and then there's a brewery in town that actually is housed in a building that used to be a funeral home and mortuary so they have stuff like dead guy ale and they have a celia rose ipa which cool. is it, it, i think it's flavored with orange and cardamom and stuff like that and the tagline for it the 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 advertising copy for this ipa is you will probably enjoy our spices more than you would have enjoyed celia's spices Oh, that's good. They, they just have a lot of fun with this Celia Rose IPA and with all their beers, really. They have they have fun with their drinks. <laughs> that is really funny. That is truly, truly funny. Well, let's talk about the Christmas book because I'm going to be reading that uh, maybe, maybe maybe this weekend. I'm going to start it the weekend after. Every Sunday, every Sunday I read a book that's paranormal themed. Uh -huh. And since it's the holidays... I chose yours. Oh, thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about this book so we can wet everybody's whistle about it. All right. I am actually doing a talk on Spirits of Christmas tomorrow. 
for the for a, a homemakers group, East Peoria Women's Group. So I am just raring to go about that. So Spirits of Christmas is a collection of uh, Victorian Christmas weirdness because, oh man, the Victorians were strange when it came to Christmas. And they also really love telling ghost stories at Christmas. Um, the Victorians were into spirituality and spooks anyway. And they figure, you know what? This is the darkest time of the year. It's really a great time to cozy up to a fire with a glass of something hot and tell ghost stories. Um, so there's a lot of Victorian influence in, in that, in part of the book. And the rest of the book is um, ghost stories that happened in the dead of winter, um, tragedies that happened in December, um, and stories, ghost stories of December in general and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And yeah, that was a really, I, I had ridiculous amounts of fun writing that book, finding all these ghost stories of Christmas and, and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And working on the book really taught me something about crystals, believe it or not. I had finished writing most of the book and I had one more section to go. And that was the section on Christmas and December tragedies. Things like the Babs Switch School fire, the Iroquois Theater fire, the uh, Our Lady of the Angels fire, uh, the disappearance of the Sodder children. Pearl Harbor happened in December. So I had this section of things that I knew were really going to be difficult to write about. So I said to myself, all right, you know what? You've got one section to go. You can do this. You can power through it. You can spend a couple of weekends writing. And so I did. I started on a Saturday morning and I just powered through it. And by Saturday evening, I had a blistering headache and I had terrible, terrible nightmares Saturday night. And I said, oh, I, this won't do. I, I have to do something about this. So Sunday, I went to my ghost hunting kit and I got out my chunk of black tourmaline uh -huh. and I had it sitting on the desk as I took notes and I had it in my left hand as I was writing with my right hand and no headaches, no nightmares, no troubles. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> I sure was glad for that chunk of black tourmaline. That's one of my questions that I have for you is that when you're writing this stuff, you know, you know you're know, you investigating some of it, but when you're writing this stuff, does that draw stuff to you while you're writing? Um, Not that I've noticed, but I am careful to keep uh, Goldstone on my desk when I'm writing and sometimes Rose Quartz. If I'm working on something particularly dark and menacing, I keep a chunk of rose quartz there to lighten the mood a little bit. And it, yeah, if I really get into the weeds, I'll pull out my black tourmaline. And yeah, I, I, I know enough to, that experience just absolutely sold me on crystals. And I am, I am not without my crystals. 
<laughs> ever since then, I, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm sold. This is great. <laughs> I believe it. I, yeah. I, I understand completely. Mm-hmm. So how many uh, stories do you have in this book? In Spirit of Okay. Oh, golly. I think I ended up with over 120 stories. Wow. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, it was it was a good chunk. It was a it was a lot of stories. And some of them are longer than others, of course. But oh. yeah, I do. There are over 120 tales in that one. Was it hard to do the research? It was fun to do the research. <laughs> it was just a blast. I mean, I have a, a stone blast doing all of my research for all of my books. But this was particularly fun because I got to gorge myself on true ghost stories and just pick out the ones that happened in December. And um, yeah, it was really interesting to research the tragedies that happened in December too. And just the history of these things. There is one story that is in the dark of winter section where it's not necessarily December, it's just wintertime in general. And one of the stories in that is the story of the Ruth Simmons, the Christmas tree ship, and um, the, the captain that went down with his ship. Um, I won't spoil it for you. You're going to read this story, but I want people to to look forward to the story of the, the Christmas tree ship and the Ruth Simmons. I couldn't write a book on Christmas hauntings and right. not the christmas tree ship and that that was really interesting for me because it had its roots are in chicago history and i grew up in the chicago suburbs and i had never heard of the ruth simmons and it was a real treat for me to learn about this 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 mainstay of christmas time in old chicago this ship would come across lake michigan and it would dock in the chicago river and it would ride at anchor for several weeks while the captain and his wife and his daughters sold sold trees and wreaths from the decks of the ship and they they would if someone came up and didn't have enough money for a tree, they would they would donate a tree and they would have feasts on the deck of the ship and they would invite people to come and enjoy roast boar with them and just just lay on the spread to celebrate their customers that were buying these trees from them. Nice. Uh, yeah, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. I can't share it with people. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited to read this. And uh, I'm so glad you, you know, gave me permission to do it because I'm really stoked about it. In fact, after I had read Mrs. Miracle last year, I saw the book and I thought, oh my gosh, I should have read that one. (laughs) So so here we go, you know, so I don't know if we're going to start this Sunday yet or we're going to start the following Sunday, but we're definitely going to get started on it. Excellent. I want to thank you for coming on. It's always fun to have you on. I oh, I had such a blast talking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And when you get back from England, give me a shoot me an email. We'll get you on when you get back from you England. Know. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. I had 
a complete blast talking with you. Absolutely. Sylvia, how do we find you? Okay, you can go to sylviaschultz.wordpress.com, and the last name is spelled S-H-U-L-T-S. And at sylviaschultz.wordpress.com, you're going to find information about my books. You'll find information about my podcast, Lights Out, and the links on the site will go to the YouTube version of Lights Out, but you can also find it on any podcast platform on Spotify, our iHeartRadio, Apple Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Absolutely. All right, Sylvia. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I apologize for whatever happened earlier, but I got over it. You got it to work. It's all good. I had a great time and I want to get you back on. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great evening. All right, guys, she's always fun to have on, and she has written a lot of books, boy. So if you go over to her, you go over to her website, you're going to see a lot of books on, on on different haunted places. It's incredible to check them all out. All right. Anyway, tonight we were on YouTube, which is fine, and I'm going to go ahead and do an extra teaser for the folks on Facebook so they can come and watch this later. But who knows? Like like she says, it's the little gremlins going to work for us. Anyway, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show. Share it with five of your enemies. As usual, we are equal opportunity here. California Haunts Radio. You know, we're trying to get the word out. So if you hate people and you didn't like the show, it's a good way to get the word out. You know, just keep sharing, 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 sharing. Again, I want to thank the podcast viewers. They have really helped us out this year. We are um we 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 did you know we more than doubled our podcast downloads since from November last year to November this year. So I'm really uh, rather I'm sorry, October. I'm in the wrong month, aren't I? From October last year to October this year, we more than doubled our, our, our download numbers for the podcast. Thank you all. And that's that's all around the world. That's not only the United States. That's over in Europe and the Mideast and everywhere that, that people listen to the show. Kind of cool to, to think that, right? So, uh, yeah. So I'm real excited. I want to thank you all. But the key, to, the key to this show is to share, share, share. You know, if you like what you hear, or even if you don't like what you hear, share it out because we want to get the word out. Uh, you know, my uh, associates here locally get business cards to hand out for the show, you know, to keep the word out. So the job that you guys have now is to share it out and say, hey, there's a pretty good little show out there and come and listen to it. All right. I appreciate it. I really do. Anyway, tomorrow, Les Klinger is going to be with us. And if you're into old horror movies and old horror stories, he is he, he has done a lot of research on classic horror like Frankenstein and Dracula. And most importantly, what he's going to be talking about is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde tomorrow. So we're going to go into the history of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and all kinds of stuff about them that I didn't even know. And now I'm a horror buff, okay? I didn't know. So that'll be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m., hopefully on Facebook and everywhere else, you know, that we're back on where we're supposed to be. But uh, I appreciate everybody for finding us over here. Uh, Thank you so much, Dad. There's a dad out there. Thank you so much, Dad, for uh, helping me and making sure we were on the, you know, let me know we were on the air and all that. But I really appreciate it, and I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening.